And again, you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 p.m. and up next is Cover to Cover Open Book, so please stay tuned. KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno. Gary Baca here. And on the phone lines, we have a veteran of stage and film, radio, television. Uh, <laughs> she does it all. Of course, a uh, winner of six Emmys and one Tony. Uh, we know her as Lily Tomlin. And there are many characters involved in this one person. But uh, we have the one and only Lily Tomlin on the phone line. Lily, how you doing? I'm good, Gary. Thank you. You poke fun at uh, politicians like a lot of comedians, but uh, you've also been fairly open about your own political commitments. Uh, for instance, last summer you made an ad promoting single-payer health care in California. Yes. Uh, Obama said he would do something about health care for the uninsured, yet he took single-payer off the table for the uh, health care reform decision. Um, a lot of young people were pulled into the Obama campaign, but now many of them are disillusioned. Do you feel disillusioned by the politics of the USA? Yes, yes I do. That was sweet of you to put it that way. Pretty, pretty disillusioned. Well, I feel a bit disillusioned by the uh, uh, everything going on on the planet, period. You know, California was in the forefront of the anti-nuke movement for years. And I had just gone to Australia, as a matter of fact, and come back last Thursday. And uh, while I was there the last couple of days, I went to visit my friend Helen Caldicott, who's an Australian and a pediatrician, who spearheaded the anti-nuke movement way back in the 70s. And... Uh, it was so ironic. The day I arrived, of course, in, back in the U.S., was the day of the terrible disaster in Japan. And now the reactors, are the meltdowns and stuff that are being threatened. Of course, Helen preached against that for 30, 35 years or more. And, uh, and that, that's one of the reasons we have only two reactors in California, because we fought so hard against it. Because it was so foolish to build these reactors and... and build them at all much less build them on a fault line so in japan of course we have well we have 104 i think in this country and japan has 57 and a much smaller land mass i don't know it's crazy gary yeah there's a lot going on and here we have now we have this come home to roost and it's so uh i mean we've had these are like nuclear bombs sitting you know all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of plants around the world they disillusioned. <laughs> like, it makes me laugh because it's like such an understatement. Was there a decision at one point in your life where you had to get involved and be involved? Because I know as a young comedian starting out, you know, especially during the uh, mid-60s, uh, you know, especially that was a time, you know, during the Vietnam War, and uh, there was a lot going on. Was there a point in your life where you said, well, hey, you know, I've really got to get out there and, and speak my voice? I always was looking for, you know, a metaphor or something that even uh, any any piece I did generally speaking I mean sometimes things are light more lightweight than others but and still funny um but yeah, I always wanted to comment on uh a thing on, on issues and subjects or any or even just a social thing about human being a human uh, I always wanted to uh to be funny but say but as they say to be to say something <laughs> that makes me laugh too in one of my old television specials, uh, when I go, I wind up going to. I, I lie to myself, and I wind up going to Vegas for the money. 
<laughs> but I convince myself that I'm going for political reasons. <laughs> and then I, and then at some point, uh, I say to my agent when I realize what I've done, and I say to my agent on the phone trying to get me out of the date, I say, they're going to hate me. I do character stick with a message. <laughs> right, right. Well, did you get any discrimination or did you get any, uh, let's say, uh, apprehension from producers that say, hey, we can't do that. You can't say that. Oh, sure. Sometimes. Absolutely. Or from the networks. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the first couple of specials I did, I uh, had Richard Pryor on as my guest. Oh, we did one piece. Uh, we did a piece, uh, uh, an anti-war piece, because the, the Vietnam War was still on, and um, they made us, uh, they wouldn't let me air it. And uh, and then I was doing a piece, uh, uh, Jane, my partner, had written a piece for, for, for Richard that takes place in a soul food restaurant. And he's a junkie and, uh, who's on a methadone program at that time. That was there. They were met. This was in the seventies. Anyway, uh, and they wouldn't even put that one in the first script. They wouldn't let, they wouldn't even put it in the script, you know, that was going to be circulated. Mm -hmm. So when I went back the second time and did another special and Richard was my guest, we, uh, we shot the Annie War piece so I could trade it just to get that soul food piece for him. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of, strategy too it always has been so of course you know i can ask you of course some of your influences and and some of the people that you uh were influenced by were probably lucille ball you know a great person right. you probably watched every episode of i love lucy but however comedians like lenny bruce and george carlin who you know really took it a step further uh, on on stage with some of the things they did uh did you actually study some of these cats you know especially you being in new york in the mid-60s right um, I well, I mean, I certainly knew Lenny. I mean, George was George was before me, but uh, when he when he began being more political, that was just about my time. Mm -hmm. When he crossed over from playing, you know, like Vegas and the Playboy Club and stuff like that, um, and became um, just more counterculture. Mm -hmm. So I always considered George basically a contemporary. Even though he did have those earlier years, but um, no, I didn't really study them. I, I, you know, I was so into character and liked and liked uh, to do culture types, and I was more influenced by people like uh, Ruth Draper, who was a great monologue artist who died in the fifties. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, for me, doing a culture type was inherently political, you know, because you were doing some human in the culture. And if you were trying to express them, then it would, there would be some content that was just part of their lives in, in their skin. Uh, I would, that was, I, I was more delighted by, you know, the, the, the things that were noble and terribly flawed about individual humans. Cause I grew up in an old neighborhood in Detroit and lived in an apartment house and had southern parents and went to Kentucky in the summers and, I just was exposed to a whole lot of uh, different kinds of humans. You know, are there some, like with these characters that you have, are they able to say things that you can't? You know, were you able to channel, you know, some some frustration and some things that were happening or whatever you wanted to say through these characters that maybe some things you weren't able to say yourself? I mean, I guess sometimes it was easier or more effective to say it in their voice. I mean, a character like Ernestine that everybody thinks is really funny 
and uh, and they accept that she's this petty bureaucrat who <laughs> harasses and browbeats people and breaks the law by taping their conversations and uh, you know having access to all their personal <laughs> personal information. Right. Uh, so it's it's a uh, it's like a cultural attitude or something that that enables me to um, maybe come at it from a different direction. I mean, you could do you could do many many of the same lines or observations in a first person voice, uh, but it would but it it just seemed funnier or more you know more varied. I like the I like the variety of an audience not knowing where you know turning, becoming someone else, and and suddenly being in a different place if you can make them believe it. I, I so I was more sort of theatrically oriented than. And then just plain, st- then flat out stand up, which uh, I have, you know, I have great affection and admiration for too. And of course, you growing up in Detroit, uh, the Motor City, Motown Records. Um, <laughs> you know, what was that like for you? You know, as a young girl, because at the time, Motown was God hot, hot. sixty one and sixty two, and uh, and you well, were right there. Yeah. Sure. Did you get to see that? Sure, I was incredibly influenced by all the music and everything. I never understood, you know. I'd, I'd meet other kids who, uh, they can you believe they would like actually be fans of Pat Boone, <laughs> 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 and I think where do these people come from? I, right. I, you know, and even Elvis Presley wasn't like such hot stuff when you really knew all R and B and the kind of music that that was created in Detroit before that time. I mean, I just, I, I liked a different kind of music, or I felt like it was just much, much hipper, much cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I could appreciate Elvis at one point, but I felt mm-hmm. like he wasn't so uh, groundbreaking as I'm, he, as I'm sure he is. I'm not a student of, of music history, but it didn't seem that hip. You know, I understand that uh, you weren't quite funny as a child, um, but upon moving to New York in the mid-60s, uh, did that change your life as far as you networking, getting contacts, and uh, doing the things that you dreamed of? Uh, sure. I went to New York because I, uh, uh, when I say I wasn't funny as a child, it was more like uh, I, uh, but I would make up funny. I would make up stuff to do. I didn't think I was funny just naturally, mm-hmm. but I would... Uh, invent funny people to do or you know some funny thing i'd seen i'd do it for my neighbors or my family but i went to new york because i i was uh, i'd gone to school when i went to wayne state university in, which is an inner city big inner city college in uh in detroit i went into pre-med i never would have been a doctor it's like a fantasy like i was playing another character <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I want, it was a time in, in, in the late 50s, very early 60s, when you, you know, the, the ethic was you do well by doing good, at least in where I hung out. And uh, so I wanted to do something, something good for, you know, humanity. And being a doctor, there was, it was, there was still great respect for being a doctor in those days. Right. So I, uh, but I got into a college show and I... I was in a, a zoology class with a girl I'd gone to high school with, and she was very imperious, you know, and she said, I'm going over to the Bonstell Playhouse, that was the, the University Theater, and, and uh, I'm going to uh, read for the Mad Woman of Chaillot. You should come along, there are a lot of small parts. 
And I, so she so got my ire up that I did go. And eventually, I got a part in that play, and I was so popular doing what I was doing. I mean, I got a lot of attention. So then I went and did a, a, a variety show. And when I stepped into it, I thought, gosh, these kids do, this stuff is so collegiate and so empty. You know, I could take off on gun smoke and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, at that time, it, now it was 62, at that time, there was a suburb, a very rich suburb of Detroit, Gross Point, where the, the Ford family lived and stuff like that. And it was covertly segregated. And the lid had just been blown off the fact that how, how you couldn't get in if you were, forget if you were black or really if some really other color or as strong ethnicity, but even if you were swarthy, <laughs> swarthy was one of their demerits. And, uh, so that was a big scandal in Detroit because it was, uh, covert and against the law even. I mean, at that point, laws had just been passed and they were being, uh, revealed. Okay, so I did a, a gross point matron as a kind of an improv, and because it was so relevant to what was going on, it was just sensational. You know, I talked about my charity activities and my social work, and uh, Henry Ford's daughter was just making her debut then, and it was reputed to cost, you know, loads and loads and loads of money. And my, uh, I won't go into all those details, but uh, it was just hot and relevant. And... I got so much response. I went on all the local TV shows dressed as that matron and, uh, and did all these, uh, you know, all this commentary about being a Gross Point resident and what it took to own land there. And, uh, that I said, when I finished, I said, God, I'm going to go to New York and maybe I can get a job doing this. And that's how I started. Going. I left for New York. And as a young comedian and improvisationalist, um, was there a point in your life where you wanted to try drama and and actually uh, hone your acting skills and, you know, take it further? Oh, you know, I'll tell you, Gary, I never thought it was any different. And even last season when, I mean, drama or comedy, when uh, when we were doing damages on FX and Marty Short was on the show, Everybody, of course, would always ask us about being comedians, playing drama, and as they, as they always do. It's a natural kind of, uh, you know, in, inquiry. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard Marty say very similar things, and that is that there's no difference. You just play what is called for. Mm-hmm. And, on the, you know, it might be very, very broad comedy. It could be very subtle comedy. And it, the subtler it gets, probably the more <laughs> the more tragic it gets. Or you get closer and closer to the tragedy of, or I don't, it's just a continuum. And you, uh, and if you're lucky enough to get a lot of different kinds of vehicles, you can play, play things in a lot of different ways. So I love doing stuff, dramatic stuff. I don't get as, as much opportunity as I'd like, but, uh, I never thought that it was much different. It was just be, it's all pretend, you know. It's not for real. Right, right. <laughs> Has the Hollywood uh, machine factory changed, or have you changed? I mean, is it different now than it was then? Um, I'm sure it must be in some regard. Uh, I couldn't uh, historically give you an, uh, a, a decent overview, but... Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, are you still involved uh, heavily in, you know, production and uh, getting some things out there that you are writing and scripts like that? Well, is it right in the, at the moment? Uh, my partner Jane is working on a 
a new series uh, treatment for one of the cables. So, yeah, we're always doing stuff. And, uh, of course, I'm always doing dates, and, I, and I'm always doing jobs. And uh, we're, you're forever thinking about... Uh, you know, I would love to. I would love uh, to come up with her with a. I'd like for her to come up with a, a sequel to our last Broadway show, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. And of course, on the stage, I try stuff too all the time because mm-hmm. I have that opportunity. But I've always loved that medium to go out live, and you're just there by yourself, and you. So you have the that great. Um, auger plate of of fooling around and experimenting and. Seeing what grows and what doesn't, and what just what takes hold. Now, of course, uh, we have Barack Obama as president. You know, a great thing. Um, you know, ha- have you seen change uh, literally? Sir, you know, I was a huge supporter of Obama, and I certainly was grateful when he. And I was not just grateful; I was like thrilled when he was elected, and thought, you know, I tell you, but I, I, I don't know if the system can ever foster anything. Uh, Really extraordinary. I mean, the the the, uh, the, uh, the opposing forces are so ruthless and so strategic, and uh, and there's so much money involved. And, and the and the poor public, they become inured after a while. They really don't know which end is up. I mean, they'll just in the most innocent, you know, open way. They they'll uh, suddenly here they accepted Obama. And the possibility of that kind of change, and uh, I don't know. I, I I can't be on the inside. Of course, I would want him to be much more forceful and and uh, aggressive toward those other those other forces that uh, seem to be motivated strictly by greed and self interest. Uh, but we don't know what he's really up against. I don't really know what he's up against. I, I imagine every kind of scenario in the world, like because uh, I see them. I see those forces of uh, of, of money and, uh, uh, and and corporate ruthlessness. I see them as capable of anything. So, believe me, I've I've fantasized that maybe in an effort to uh, to you know to overlook Obama not being um, as 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 uh, vehement as I'd like him to be. I've thought, who knows? What, I wouldn't be surprised if they threaten him. But it may be his nature to be absolutely, uh, you know, a, a conciliatory, and uh, he may he may just be so calm and so practical that he does it the way he does it. But why he hasn't fought them on certain things? I mean, really fought them? I don't know. It well, he's got a, my heart. He's got a lot on his plate. He's dealing he's with really the been, unions, the you know, the foreclosures, oh, the health care. Oh well, he stepped into such a mess. It's not you know, and the I. But that's another thing. I can't. I can never understand why the Democrats haven't made more of the fact of what they were handed, and they they constantly talk about Obama being the spender and and uh, and and exploding the debt. And they, you know, they had two wars they didn't pay for and everything else. And the and this refusal to uh, keep uh, to re, to rescind or or just to let the uh, Bush tax cut go in the upper percentile if they were real patriots that's they would want to do it because it would make such a difference in the debt but the fact that they don't want to let go of that two or three percent even if it was again for a short period of time just as the 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 cut was for a period of time will make an increase for a period of time in a time of such crisis 
and let uh, and let them share. Let people who have more than they need share in some of the uh, instead of taking it away from teachers and public workers and and uh, no one really knows how you know how many people are unemployed in the country. True. So not, I mean, not to make if, if you're so much a patriot, which is what they all talk, which is all the right wing talks about, is how patriotic you're a true patriot and you're a true conservative. If that were true, you would get, you would make some move at, on some short term basis to to give back to the country for a minute when we're in such bad, especially when you basically caused it, right? With greed. And uh, wow, uh, we have Amelia Gonzalez here, and she has a question for you, Lily. Lily, do you support listener-sponsored radio here in LA? KPFK is our main main state, mine and Jane's main station. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't can't live without KPFK. Love right. them, you know. And you guys are so important. I mean, it's really getting desperate trying to find anybody who's willing to even step out there and and tell any. Thing that's like that resembles the truth. Lily Tomlin and Lily, thank you so much for oh, speaking with Gary, us. Thank you, it was fun. Wow, what a great person, Lily Tomlin. We just spoke with her, and of course, uh, we're here at the KPFA studios and we're raising money uh, for the station. We are offering the premium Lily Tomlin in the search of signs of intelligent life in the universe, uh, written by Jane Wagner. And uh, we're offering the two CD set for $75. I have Amelia Gonzalez here with me. And uh, thanks for coming by, Amelia. Hey, Gary. You know, I am very fond of Lily Tomlin and her uh, and her her whole life has been about bringing this comedy and and really intelligent comedy you know not just any you know just being funny for funny sake but really just challenging a lot of what uh this this country's about and uh a lot of the gender stereotypes as well and some of her characters i mean who doesn't remember ernestine and course, and all yeah. of that and so i'm really happy that we're able to offer this to you this was produced back in 1985 um, so it's an oldie but goodie but what we have is a two dvd set this was a, an award-winning uh uh, actually, it's a film on her one-woman act written by Jane Wagner where she actually does t- challenge uh, in a very funny way the search of four signs of intelligent life in the universe. So if this is something that uh, you think is important, and not only that, but if you think it's important to support the arts and to support learning about the arts and learning about the art history, such as uh, the contemporary history of this very hard-working actress, comedian, a writer that we are showcasing today. Go to the phone, support KPFA, let us know that it matters to you to hear these voices of sanity in a very insane time. 1-800-439-5732 is a number to call here at KPFA and support us as we continue to be what Lily, Tomley, uh, Lily Tomlin said, listeners sponsored. That's right, 1-800-439-5732. Go to your phone lines now and support KPFA Radio, 1-800-439-5732. And, uh, Amelia, I had a chance to check out the DVD at home. You know, oh, I've really, you? I've never uh-huh. seen it. And, uh, but the thing about this DVD, it makes you think. It, right. it, you, you identify with her. You identify with Trudy, who's a homeless woman. And it's through her perspective, you know, a person who has nothing and a person who actually just, uh, realizes life. Because in this DVD, DVD, she's makes you take a look at yourself 
and to not take yourself so seriously. Right. You know, right, that's right. the whole thing. Being one with the universe, being content. And it's okay to laugh a little bit, you know, yes. through these hard times. <laughs> you know, it's about loving life. That's what it's all about. And uh, we're asking you to uh, love life and love KPFA. Uh, go to the phone lines. 1-800-439-5732. And I must say that this is also a DVD for you to study, especially for all you would-be actors out there, you people who are studying improv. Um, this is very inspiring. I actually wanted to go and do my own one-way, right. one-man okay. play uh, right. <laughs> after checking this out. But, uh, yes, people studying acting in college really need to own this video. So, uh, you know, I would just recommend everybody out there that if you're into entertainment, into political awareness, and she has that and actually she's uh she's got this thing called observational improvisational comedy Mm -hmm. so i mean you really kind of she makes you think and and in this video uh dvd which is a two dvd set and we're only asking 75 dollars for this looking for signs of intelligent life in the universe um you know it's just something that you really can cherish you can play with the whole family you know right you can right right i mean this is something that it shows you the art of satire and a form that is all too lacking in american theater and as you mentioned trudy the bag lady uh tries to explain modern american material society to an alien uh committee which i think is hilarious and it's divided into three parts it's a great story to be told it's great to be shared with people that might not know her or that might know know her in her more recent uh uh phase because this is somebody who's been working through decades uh, very hard and she's from Detroit man I lived in Detroit so really? I, I yes wow. yes yes so I have my Detroit uh, my D-town stripes <laughs> on me right now and uh, and tr- a tremendous admiration for Lily Tomlin you could get the DVD as Gary mentioned for, uh, looking for signs of intelligent life in the universe the two DVD set for a $75 pledge and $75 is $6.25 a month if you help kpfa out and really we know what the gift is we know that the gift is making sure that kpfa has enough to be able to pay its electricity bill to pay its phone bill to be able to uh pay the the minimal staff that is here now to make sure that the equipment is functioning that's what your dollar is going to you need to go to the phone and help kpfa out right now and make sure that the dream that um uh Mr. Hill, Lou Hill had back uh, back in the day, 62 years ago, stays alive. 1-800-439-5732-848-5732. That's right. We're asking you to go to your phone lines. Once again, I'm going to give out the number 1-800-439-5732. Let Lily Tomlin know that her voice is welcome on KPFA. Call us now at 1-800-439-5732. She's not like these other bourgeois actors. She's no Paris Hilton, all right? She's like in that class with Woody Harrelson and Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks, Sean Penn, Rob Snyder, Lily Tomlin supports Danny KPFA. Danny Glover, yes. Danny Glover, uh, who's a great person. Supporter of KPFA, yes. Big supporter of KPFA. But, you know, during the lockout, and I'm pretty sure everybody out there remembers the lockout, the big KPFA lockout. Lily Tomlin actually did a fundraiser for us. She went out and she 
donated her time, came out, and she did a fundraiser to raise money so we can get back into the station. And actually, from what I understand, she actually throws parties for some of the um, for some of the people that support KPFK. So she's actually done dinner parties in support of KPFK and Pacifica. So let us know. We have about 20 DVDs here. We don't want to give them back, ladies and gentlemen. Oakland, San Francisco, Fresno, we know you're listening, and we can actually um, get you on the installment payment you know, through a period of time. And if you can, give us a call. Please give us a call here at 1-800-439-5732 and let us know that you're listening. Gary, there's got to be folks with a funny bone out there. Got to be some out there. Come on. Here's a special call out to you. Those with a funny bone, those that don't take yourself too seriously, you got to be out there. You got to be out there and understand that there's humor in the worst situations that that present us. You know, one thing that she said that I thought was so in tune with what KPFA and Pacifica represent is can the system ever offer something viable when she's talking about the what, the, what Obama's up against. And, you know, it's one man can do it. We Where else do you hear the system being challenged but at KPFA when, we're ta- when we talk about how it can't be one savior, one guy, one person. It's got to be a community coming together and that's what we believe here at KPFA. We believe that the community comes together and supports its listener-sponsored radio. Please go to the phone. Help us out. 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 and you get KPFA 24-7 here for you. And the icing on the cake, if you want to pick it up for $6.25 a month, is Looking for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, uh, written by Jane Wagner, performed by Lily Tomlin, a two-DVD set. Go to the phone, 1-800-439-5732. We have two callers on the line, and be that third caller, one 1- 800-439-5732 and get your copy of The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe by Lily Tomlin. A great stage play, a great movie. Uh, it was originally shown on Showtime, but this two-DVD set uh, has a hilarious outtakes, conversations with Lily and Jane, uh, writers and actors' notes, archival footage. Um, there's 